On today's episode of The Corner Booth, Mulraney and I discuss TB12 leaving New England for Tampa Bay, Cam Newton being kicked to the curb by Carolina, the continuing impact of COVID-19 on the sports world, and we discuss our rewatch of Game 6 of the 2013 Eastern Conference semifinals between the Knicks and Pacers. But first, a word from our sponsor, Novice Clothing. What started as a hobby is now a homegrown business ready to customize your orders. From hoodies to hats to t-shirts and jerseys, whether you're outfitting an entire team or a cheering section, the Bernardo Brothers at Novice Clothing Company will handle it. Nick and Garrett both graduated from LaSalle Institute in Troy, New York, before going on to play college baseball, and they're reinvesting back into their community with this local business. Parents, coaches, and booster clubs, you need team apparel. Well, we have it here at Novice Clothing. Let's support a growing local business. Check us out at NoviceClothingCompany.com and on Instagram at NoviceClothingCompany and get ready to claim your crown. All right, let's roll. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 10 of the Corner Booth. Mulraney and I here, still in quarantine. Mike, how we doing, buddy? Pretty good. Not stir-crazy or cabin fever yet, but luckily we have a lot of streaming options to keep us going. Yeah. We, uh, you've been streaming anything good? Love is Blind and Tiger King. I finished Love is Blind a while ago, a couple weeks ago, I should say. Show is awesome. Show is electric. It kind of feeds right into my, to my love of The Bachelor. It's in the same vein of that show, so I enjoyed yeah. Love is Blind. I am also watching Tiger King through two episodes right now. I recommend it. It's pretty wild. These people are horrible, and they're just raising giant tigers. Anything with big cats and people finding out they love each other via a weird stained glass window, I'm going to sign up for. Yeah, the first thing that I said when I was watching this, the, the documentary opens up in that giant snake. It's like a 15-foot snake that looks like he weighs 500 pounds. And I said, this has to be happening in Florida. And as soon as I got the words out of my mouth, it was like Linwood, Florida. <laughs> Never a doubt. Speaking of Florida, Tampa Bay has a new quarterback. Tom Brady is headed to the Buccaneers. Pretty shocking when this came out. Tom Brady going to go to Tampa Bay, play for Bruce Arians, who now has a pretty impressive quarterback tree that he's coached. So it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see how Brady does there. What were your thoughts or reactions when the news first dropped that he's going to Tampa? I was very surprised by this news just because, like you, and as we've discussed on this podcast for weeks, we were New England, and then we were all in in Tennessee because Vrabel's a Patriots guy, and then we were out on Tennessee two weeks ago, and we were in on New England, and we were kicking around the idea that maybe Los Angeles, because he's a California guy, he grew up a big San Francisco 49ers fan, maybe he'll go to Los Angeles and go play with you know that offensive unit there I was genuinely stunned by Tampa Bay backing up the Brinks to kind of bring Brady aboard the Arians offense is a lot of throw down the field to Godwin and Evans or at least it was under Winston do we still think Brady can throw a deep ball like that he doesn't really have a lot of success with the run game there with Ronald Jones he kind of struggled in back-to-back years as a high high draft pick it's a weird scenario, but I'm glad that it happened because it gives us something to talk about. Yeah, I'm glad it happened for sure. I think it's a high-risk, high-reward type thing. Um, I'm, in a weird way, not the biggest Jameis Winston hater of all time. I think he has had his issues on the field, off the field, but what he did last year was pretty impressive, leading the league in yards, throwing a bunch of touchdown passes, and if he cut down on the interceptions which I think is possible, I thought he might have a chance to make some noise. Now, with saying that, if you choose between Brady or Winston, I think you take this window with Brady for two to three years and see what you can do. Um, the offense is going to be fun to watch. You, you mentioned the receivers, and I don't think they're done adding pieces. I think they will add another receiver. I think they might add another running back. Um, with Brady there, people are going to want to go there and play. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Antonio Brown, frankly. Even though Brown has self-imploded over the last couple of years, the relationship with him and Tom Brady seems to be a weird one where Tom Brady is into his whole 
package of what he's going to bring to the table. I think Brady is willing to to get him there and try to make it work. I think that was his idea in New England. And I wouldn't be shocked with uh, with Antonio Brown's Pittsburgh roots, Bruce Arians' Pittsburgh roots, if they try to make it happen there. Um, that would make the offense interesting, for sure. The If they bring in Antonio Brown there, and you're going Evans and Brown on the outside and Godwin in the slot with that huge tight end, O.J. Howard, man. They're going to have a ton of weapons. And the Brady-Brown relationship is interesting. One, because Brady never really makes a scene off the field. He had that weird Facebook show where he made out with his kids. Right. But he, him and Antonio Brown lived together when that two-week period where he was on the Patriots. Yeah. He played that one game with the Dolphins. Granted, the Dolphins were trying to tank for Tua. But Brown had, what, two touchdowns in that game and probably 60-something yards? Well, put it this way. If Brown's on the the Patriots this entire season and he's healthy, they're a much different team. Yeah. And and who knows what happens. I don't think he catapults them to win the Super Bowl because I think they had a lot more issues and I think defenses would have figured out that he was the guy to stop. But with Brown and Edelman all year, I think it would have been interesting. Yeah. I think he can still play. It's just whether or not he can be normal for an extended period of time, which he has not been able to show. I People think I'm a little crazy, but since that game where he was just getting pop play after play against Cincinnati like four years ago, I don't think he's been the same mentally. I'm no. not saying that that caused him to have brain damage or anything, but it, it is odd from the, from his decline of, being able to keep it together since that game. Since that game, he filmed the locker room with Tomlin. He went to Oakland and imploded there and demanded to be gone to get to New England. He got to New England, couldn't make it work there with all of his other stuff. If he And, and honestly, I think with him, if he just stayed off social media, he would be fine. I think that's his biggest issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, the off-the-field stuff is what it is, and who knows how much of that is real or not real. Um, I'm not one to comment on that because it's above my head and who knows, we don't have the information, but from an outsider's perspective, if he was able to stay off social media, I think more teams would be interested in him right now. We've seen people far worse off than Antonio Brown in terms of off the field stuff, get second chances in the league. So I think it's more of him just kind of being a cancer inside the locker room. So it'll be interesting to see if Tampa Bay brings him in. I'm interested to see now, one, that division is insane. Is Breeze still going to be able to throw the ball down the field? There are some concerns coming back from the injury he had this past year. He's also on the overside of 40. Is he going to start to see kind of the Brady-Manning decline? We also have Matt Ryan in that division. I don't know what the hell the Falcons are doing. Letting Devontae Freeman walk after they let Tevin Coleman walk. Letting Vic Beasley go. Are they, they putting get, pieces together? Are they leaving? And then they get Todd Gurley, right? Is that yeah. Where Todd Gurley ended up going? Which is weird to me. They let a bunch of pieces go, but then you bring in one piece that doesn't equate to the others, in my opinion. And then you have Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina, and that might be top to bottom the best division in football. Are you reloading with Brady in the best division of football at 43? Is that going to be the best move? Well, I think, you know, ironically enough, with we talked about Cam, and we'll get to him later in the show because there's more to talk about with him now, but I'm not sold on Carolina with Bridgewater. Um, I'm not sold on Atlanta because they have just tortured me. Every time I think they're good, I buy in and they suck. Every time you think they have no business winning a game last year, they would sneak up and beat somebody. So they're an enigma, but I have no faith in what they got going on there. Um, I think the Super Bowl was kind of a flash-in-the-pan type thing, and I think as watchers of football and gamblers, we get tricked into thinking that they're still going to be that team, and they're not. Yeah. Um, frankly, I think the Saints benefited from that lightning in a bottle with Teddy Bridgewater last year. Who knows if, if he doesn't go 5-0, and 6-0 in that stretch. Are they the – I mean, 
the Saints weren't going to do any better with Drew Brees. I mean, Bridgewater yeah. was perfect. So who knows what would have happened there. It'll be interesting to see if Brees will be able to stay healthy and respond from the injury he had last year. That division becomes extremely interesting. And if you told me right now one of the, any of those four teams would win the division, I wouldn't be surprised. I agree. Uh, Bridgewater is a very conservative quarterback in an offense now that's mainly checkdowns to Christian McCaffrey. The Saints just added Emmanuel Sanders, which doesn't seem fair. No. That they have another weapon to throw to. And in Atlanta, when you play eight games indoors, nine games indoors, if you go six and two at home, all of a sudden you have to win three games to be a wild card team. Are you a under five hundred team on the road? Well, they've—I mean—they have proven for the last few years that they struggle in games that they're supposed to win. So yeah. it, they're, they're one of those teams that I think we have to see how they come out in the first few weeks, especially that they're giving Dan Quinn another shot there when everyone had that guy being fired and they, they're bringing him back. Yeah. It says a lot about Arthur Blank. Everything I've read about Arthur Blank is he's, he's a loyal guy. He cares about the fans. We talked about this a few episodes ago where he cut all the concession stand prices so it's affordable to go to a game. Yeah. He wants to win. He wants the fans to be happy. So I don't think Quinn's going to have a long leash there, but it'll be interesting to see how they do early in the season. Um, yeah, I don't. it's not going to be a cakewalk for Brady, um, who, frankly, for a lot of his career, yes, the Patriots have been phenomenal, but they've played in a pretty shitty division with the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins for the majority of his career. Now I think he's going to have a lot more competition in that division. Um, speaking of the AFC East and his former division, where do the Patriots go with quarterback? That's an interesting question. I saw that they signed Brian Hoyer, who has been on the Patriots as Brady's backup, Left, came back, left, came back. I feel like he's been on the Pats five or six times at this point. Hoyer is familiar with the system. He did have a brief flash in the pan with Cleveland right before they drafted Manziel, where he was kind of the cleat. He was a hometown guy in Cleveland, had some mild success for what you can judge the Browns on over the last 10 years. Could he be good enough to win nine games and be a wild card? I mean, Belichick did it with Matt Castle. So, is it possible? Yeah. But there are no weapons there. The cupboard is bare. Yeah. It's interesting. I think they're bringing Hoyer in not to compete for the job. I think they're bringing him strictly in because he knows the system. He's a veteran that knows the system. And if they're going to go with, what's his name, Jared Stidham as their starter, this young kid who they seem to be pretty high on, then you want a guy like that in the room who knows the system, uh, who can be that type of mentor to a guy like that. And I think Hoyer's obviously embraced the backup role. He's not a starter in this league. He's proven that time and time again. But if he's a guy that's a system guy that understands what's going on and can help a young kid, then I think that that's probably why he's there. I personally do not see the Patriots going after one of these remaining quarterbacks that are out there, Winston or now Cam Newton. It doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't pay Tom Brady for two years. They're not going to pay Newton or Winston. I think they're set on going with this Jared Stidham guy, and Belichick's going to prove to everybody that system will – uh, will work regardless of who's in it. I think he might be trying to do this um, as a little bit of a watch what I can do type of thing. And um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of good storylines in the NFL just from the moves in the offseason, and one of them being, are the Patriots going to be the Patriots without Tom Brady? I personally don't think they are because of what you said. Um I think Brady and Belichick complement each other so well. With saying that, if if I could pick one right now, you would go with Belichick because perceivably he has more left in the tank. And I think he's proven, regardless of the quarterback that he's had, that he's a phenomenal football coach. Um, He did it with the Giants. He brought the Browns to the playoffs one year. And he's made personnel decisions where people are like, why are you getting rid of this guy? Why are you bringing this guy in? And they seem to always work out. So I have faith in Belichick. I do think that the Bills are going to be very good. I think the Dolphins are going to be better than people think. So I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk to win that division. I don't think they're a 12-win team, but I also think they're a 
they're a nine-win team probably, even with whoever they put behind center, because I think Belichick's that good. I agree with you. I think this is the first of perhaps many years that we'll see the Bills win the AFC East as, as they're currently constructed. I think that the Jets will be better. Granted, yes. does something Jetsian happen? Like, Darnold had mono last year as a fully grown man. Like, something Jets could happen. Correct. Something absolutely preposterous where, like, a coin toss hits a player in the eye and he misses two weeks. Something Jets could happen. They could be better. Miami has signed everyone because they had a trillion dollars in cap space. They're going to get Tua. Probably play Fitzpatrick until Tua's ready. So... Exciting brand of football. Let's yeah, try to have it. they're going to be good. New England. I, I'm not going to pretend I've seen Stidham play. I have I no idea where he went to college. I think it's Stidham. I don't know. Is it Stidham or I'm going to do the Francesa? You keep you keep on talking. I'm going to look it up. I have no idea where this guy played played in college. I have no idea how long he's been in the league. I don't even know if he's right handed or left handed. But he is right handed. Okay. His name is Jarrett Stidham, J-A-R-R-E-T-T. Sure. He's 23 years old. Went to Auburn. That sounds okay, I guess. I don't remember him at Auburn. I I watch a ton of college football. I I must have. Do you know how mediocre you have to be to play in the SEC, and I have no idea who you are? I'm looking up his college stats because I don't remember I have no idea. Oh, 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 so he was on the Baylor Bears in 2015. He transferred to Auburn and then got drafted by New England. Sure. I mean, I don't know. Could Belichick Jedi mind trick us into him being New England twice? Uh, excuse me, the Jets twice. A rebuilding Miami twice. They beat Buffalo at home, and all of a sudden they have to win four of the other. 12 games to get in. He had a phenomenal college career, so I don't know how I missed it, how I don't remember him in college. Um, he was, he threw 48 touchdown passes, 13 interceptions, and had a QBR of 151. He completed 64% of his passes for over 7,000 yards in three seasons, one with Baylor, two with Auburn. He played 10 games for Baylor, 14 and 13 for Auburn. Okay. 15, 17, and 18. Sure. So he seems to. I, I I don't know. I just don't remember. So I mean. Yeah. If, but I I think you're right. I think they're right in that. I it's tough for me to see Belichick finishing under 500. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm eight and eight's probably the floor just off of his value as a coach. So the reason we probably don't remember him is because they were mediocre teams. Both of those Auburn teams, they were ten and four. And they were eight and five, so they were average. Yeah, and they were three and five in the SEC his uh, junior year. So, I, like you said, I don't see Belichick going under five hundred just because he's Belichick. And I think, regardless of how good the Jets, Dolphins, and uh, Bills are, they'll probably end up splitting with New England anyway. Yeah, um, I think the Dolphins are going to. The reason I don't think much of the Jets is just because I think Adam Gase sucks. I've said this since he was in Miami. I don't think he's that good at all. Um, so, I think <clears throat> I, I'm a big believer in Buffalo. I think that defense is good. I think Jared Allen's getting better, and the addition of Sammy Watkins is huge. Stephon Diggs. Yeah, sorry. Stephon Diggs. Even bigger. Yeah. Um, Sammy Watkins used to be at Where's Sammy Watkins now speaking to Sammy Watkins? Uh, Watkins said before the Super Bowl that he was going to retire and take a year off for his leg's sake. Yeah, right. He was on the Chiefs and now, yeah, doesn't say yet what he's. What, Kansas City Chiefs rumor Sammy Watkins amongst those most likely to be cut before the draft. So if, yeah, that's he the case, gonna... if he gets cut and wants to go somewhere else, he'd be somebody somebody jumps on. But regardless, um, Stefan Diggs to Buffalo is huge. I loved him in Minnesota. Uh, I think he'll get the majority of the targets there. I don't think he now has to compete with Thielen to get targets. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good move for them. 
Who wins quick? Who wins more games, Brady or Belichick, in the next two years? Belichick. Really? I feel okay. like this Brady to Tampa Bay is going to be a lot sadder than people think. For the fact that he can't play anymore or because you just don't think the team's that good around him? I don't think that the team will have the level of success that we want him to. Like, could this be a Montana and Kansas City with Marcus Allen where they win 10 games once and go to the playoffs? I think it's entirely possible. But do we really want to see Brady go out west and play Seattle and get smoked by Seattle in the new first round of the playoffs? Like, that's not how I want to see him go out. I think it's interesting. I I would probably have to say I think I, I think it's going to be close. I, it's only two years, and Stidham is the quarterback for one of them. That's why I think I would go with Brady, though. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's uh, yeah. I would go. I would go Brady just because I think the Bucks' offense is going to be tremendous. I think. I could be completely wrong. I still think Brady has a lot left in the tank. I just don't think he had any weapons last year. So that's why I'm leaning that way. But it also could be a combination of that he doesn't have that much left in the tank anymore and they just weren't that good last year, which I just don't want to admit Brady being bad. So the Bucks next season have, obviously they have the Saints, Falcons, Panthers all twice. Yeah. Then they go on the road to Chicago. Not an easy game. On the road to Detroit, should be a win. On the road to Denver, not an easy game. On the road in Vegas. New stadium, going to be interesting. On the road against the NFC East champion Giants, that'll be tough. (laughs) (laughs) At home against Green Bay, not easy. At home against Kansas City. Oh boy. At home against Minnesota and at home against the Rams and at home against the Chargers. I mean, it's not the easiest schedule that I've ever seen. Put it that way. Playing I don't the, think that's like I don't. I, I still think there's like twelve wins there or even eleven. I AFC West and NFC North is a tough draw, schedule wise. And who knows, it might take a little time for them to get acclimated to what they're going to do there. Look, Brady's going to work his ass off to be ready. But I just don't think... Of the schedule, having to go at Denver and at Chicago, those are the two games you want at home. Yeah, because those are two places to play that are tough regardless of who's playing quarterback for those games. Um, I could see them winning 10 games, though. I think they're going to win a wild card. I don't know if they're going to win the division. I wouldn't be shocked if they won the division. Seven teams can... make it now. <laughs> great, great point. Um, with saying that, I do think they will be playing in a wild card round. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think that division is up for grabs because those teams are going to beat each other up. Um, look, offensively on paper, I think they probably have the best. Eh, New Orleans has a good offense. They're, they're, New Orleans they're... has an edge because of Kamara. Tampa Bay has no running game. I, I, I thought Tampa Bay. Uh, let me see. Who was, I, I, where did uh, where did uh, Melvin Gordon end up going? Has he gone anywhere yet? Says he, they're talking about him going to Denver potentially. I thought that would be an interesting place for him to go to Tampa, but um, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on quick to another NFL story. Cam Newton been cut by the Panthers, so that. Obviously, Bridgewater is the guy in Carolina now. I mean, Cam Newton, I'm going to let you go first, but I got a lot to say about this. Um, Where do you think he's going? I would have felt like Chicago would have been a great destination for him had they not just traded for a quarterback. Right. So, I mean, if Chicago would have waited three more days and gotten Cam Newton rather than making the trade. I don't know where Cam goes because Cam is now in a place with Jameis Winston where they would probably demand starter attention had they been available earlier in the free agency process. Now, Winston was a free agent. He was not under contract, but 
you would have assumed that he would have stayed in Tampa Bay if it wasn't for the huge Brady deal. The Chargers have said that they're comfortable rolling with Tyrod. Right. So when it comes to Cam, I don't know where he goes because there's no starting jobs left. Well, let me pull it up and I'm gonna we're gonna go through this together now because now I'm interested because look, I don't see a world where Cam or Jameis aren't starters in this league. All right, all right. I'm going to go through this. This might be boring, but I don't really care. Oh, the Bears traded for Foles. That's who I couldn't think of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, I thought you uh, heard me. I, I, I said that. Um, I'm going to – I don't care if this is boring. I'm going to go through these teams, and I'm going to ask you if you'd rather have Cam as your quarterback. Arizona's got Kyler Murray. You'd rather have Cam? I don't think you can give up on Kyler Murray. Murray. If, if that team's uh, going to win one – if it's win one – Cam and Hopkins and Fitzgerald, let's do it. But if it's a franchise, then Murray. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, this is well, – let's talk franchise. Atlanta's got Matt Ryan. Not ready to move on there, I would assume. Baltimore, no chance. Buffalo, no chance. Carolina, that's where he's from. I still think Chicago is a potential landing spot. And then you try to trade Foles or – well, you can't. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think you got to roll with Foles if you're Chicago. Now, you just made a move for him. Uh Cincinnati is going to draft their guys, so they're not going to bring in somebody like that. Cleveland? Do you have to roll with the Baker thing just because he's on a thousand TV commercials and people like him? I think Baker sucks, so I would move on from him as soon as I could, but I I don't think they're going to. Dallas, they just franchise Dak. Denver? Cam? Cam going to Denver, I think, would be good. I think Cam or Jameis Winston are both better than Drew Locke. Detroit, they're going to roll with Stafford. Green Bay, no chance. Houston, no chance. Indianapolis just got what's-his-face. Phillip Rivers. Jacksonville, I would say, is a good spot for either one of these guys, but they have completely done a fire sale. They got rid of every good player they had, so I think they're going in a different direction. I think they're going to go for the rebuild. Uh, Kansas City, no chance. All right, here we go. Now we got the Raiders. One of those not guys sold on the car, brother. They got to go. I, I, if I'm the Raiders, I think Winston Winston in Vegas would just be the story writes itself. But Roll the dice with Jameis. 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. Let's yeah, do it, let it all. It would be exciting. Let it be a full show. I mean, I think Jameis or Cam is better than both than Derek Carr. The Chargers say they're going with Tyrod. The Rams aren't doing anything. They're gonna. They got their guy, the Dolphins. Oh, I'm sick of Jared Goff. I think Jameis and what's left of Cam are better than Jared Goff. So do I. And their new logo is horrible. Um, Miami, they're gonna draft their guy. What about Minnesota? Ready to give up on Kirk Cousins? Not with ninety million guaranteed. Right. New England. I don't see Belichick going with either one of those guys because they wouldn't pay Brady. Why would you pay yeah. those guys? The Saints, no. The Giants, no. The Jets, no. The Eagles, no. Steelers, highly unlikely, but I think it would be a good move. I think the Ben to Cam transition is easier than people think. So do I. I think Cam on the Steelers, they're a pretty damn good team. Yeah. San Francisco? Yeah. Uh, Jimmy yeah. G at the end of the year looked like a very expensive Alex Smith. It would be a wild move to get rid of a guy that brings you to the Super Bowl, but Tampa Bay, no. Tennessee, not now. Seattle, no. All right, so here are my teams. The big one, the Redskins are the team. One of those guys is going to the Redskins, and I think it's Cam is going to the Redskins. Dwayne Haskins stinks. Stinks. I said it last year. I said it to everyone that would listen to me. I was praying the Giants took Daniel Jones. You said it on the podcast last week, Cap. Yeah, I did not want Haskins. I wanted the Giants to wait to get Jones at 18, but obviously the Giants thought they had to get him early, but I did not want Haskins. I think one of those guys is going to Washington. Cam makes sense because of Ron Rivera. He gets to stay in the NFC on the East Coast. I like Cam going to to Washington. And Jameis to the Raiders. 
that would be interesting. John Gruden likes to collect quarterbacks. He did it in Tampa Bay, and it made Jake Plummer retire and become a professional handball player. Yep. <laughs> could could Gruden have the Carr brother there? They just signed Mariota and Winston and just stockpile those first-round picks? Yeah, see what happens? Look, there's no way. I could maybe see Jameis being a backup. Maybe. But I think he's too good for that. But I could see it with all the interceptions. There is no way Cam Newton's a backup quarterback. No. No, there's no way. And I'm, I think Carolina's giving up too quickly on Cam. People don't realize that he's played through injury for like two straight years. Yeah. And yeah, he hasn't looked good because he's been playing through injury. So that whole notion of him not being a team guy to me is ridiculous because he's been playing through injury just to be out on the field for two straight years. I don't understand when Cam lost his reputation as one of the league's best. Didn't he win an MVP? Didn't they go to the Super Bowl? Philly Brown and Ted Ginn were his two best receivers the year he won 15 games and went to the Super Bowl. Because Kelvin Benjamin, before he got fat, was hurt that year. Yeah, and like, do you really think it's because of the one play in the Super Bowl where he didn't dive on the fumble that people are like, I'm out on this guy? I don't know. I don't know, but I look, I know he hasn't played well the last couple of years. Statistically, I know that. But it's because he's been hurt. Like, I, to me, to give up on a guy like Cam Newton, and look, I like the whole Teddy Bridgewater story. I think he's a good dude. But to give up on Cam Newton and go to Bridgewater, to me, is a lateral move, and it might even be a downgrade in a lot of ways. I guess they're concerned that he can't stay healthy, and they just want to do a whole new era of football. And I get that. Sometimes you need to do that. But, like, look, here are Cam's stats, okay? The last three years, he didn't play – he played two games last year and was horrible. But he was hurt, okay? He was hurt. He he played two games, uh, started two games. They were, they were 0-2. Year before that, he threw 24 touchdowns. And this is, and I mean, this is just his throwing stuff. If we want to get into the, get into the rushing stuff, yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. I just think that they're giving up on this guy too quick. He had, he had years. His first year in the league, I know, it was back in 2011. He threw for 21 and ran for 14. Yeah. The year he, the year he won, uh, let's see, what year did he win the MVP? 2015. I think he threw 35 touchdowns and ran 10 more in. 35, and he ran 10, yeah. So, like, he has that in his bag of tricks. Um, and even then, the, the 2018 when he was hurt, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He has, look, he's been declining. I understand it. But I think it's because he's been hurt. Yeah. To be a franchise guy, right, to go out there, he's played – 16, 16, 16, 14, 16, 15, 16, 14 until this year when he got hurt. That's pretty good in this era where you don't see that. There's not a lot of Brett Favre, Eli's, and Payton's that go out there every week and play football. Okay, So for a guy like Cam, as big, mobile, and agile as he is to stay out there as long as he did, I just think they're giving up on this guy too quick. If you put him around a good offensive line with a good defense – I think he's better than some of the starters that are going to be playing quarterback for team next year. I just do. I, I Look, I get it. I know that the Vikings are strapped with money to Cousins, but the Vikings are better if Cam's on that team. The Raiders are better if Cam's on that team. The Redskins are better if Cam's on that team. I, I just, I don't know. I think Cam makes a lot more sense to go to New England than Jameis does, but I don't see them dishing out any money unless they unless Cam's like I need to take a pay cut to get people back on my in my good graces, but I don't know. Yeah. And if all these injuries are bothering him, it might not be a bad idea to sit out the year and come back for next year's free agent market. Maybe, maybe that is the move. Maybe you go become a backup for a year, but I just don't see him as a backup quarterback. I think he's too good. It puts uh, too much pressure on the starter to have that guy maybe. behind him. I, and 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 that's and, and that's the other thing. When a guy goes as a backup, 
nine times out of ten, I'm like, yeah, it's probably his time to be a backup. With Cam, I'm not there yet. I don't think that guy's a backup quarterback. Um, Quick COVID and sports type stuff. The Olympics are postponed. Speculation is they might be outright canceled. I don't think we need to comment too much on that, but just give people the update there. Do you have anything you want to add to the Olympics? Uh, I believe they're postponing it till 2021. Is something that they're talking about moving it into next year, which I think by next year a lot of this stuff probably will be cleared up. I don't know if it's fair to a lot of these people who spend their lifetime training for one event that might not have a professional rank. Like if you're a pole vaulter, like you spent your whole life trying to go to the Olympics. So twenty twenty Olympics, like you, yeah. you you train for individual years. Yeah. So hopefully they figure it out and get it played. I understand the desire to make sure everybody's healthy and they're clear to perform and they're not in any risk because they are world-class athletes that want to perform at the highest level. But, man, I think you have to find a way to get the games in. See, I think their biggest concern is the fact that so, like, for example, today we got a report that Italy, for the first time in weeks, is decreasing the number of coronavirus outbreaks. The United States came out today, and although people are still uh, getting diagnosed with COVID-19, uh, the administration is saying that in a few weeks they want to get everyone out of quarantine, kind of follow the, Idi- uh, the Italy policy where people were quarantined for a few weeks, and hopefully things start to go down and yeah. get back to normal. But I think what they're concerned about with the Olympics is they get this under control in individual countries, and then you bring everybody together from all across the world. Yeah. Who knows what happens? Does it? Do we have another outbreak? Do you bring it back to all these other parts of the world? So I think they're concerned with that. Uh, another COVID update: Mark Cuban today said that he expects the NBA to be back by May. Um, he said he would be surprised if they weren't back by the middle of May. He did, however, say that it would most likely be without fans, but they want to get the games played. I'm fine with that. I have read from numerous media reports over the last week that the owners and Commissioner Silver are hell-bent on finishing the season this year. In fact, right before we started recording this on Tuesday night, I read a report that the league is prepared to play the finals in September. So they're going to finish the regular season and play the full extended 40 games and 40 nights playoffs. You never realize that I love baseball season as much as anybody. Yeah. You and I are that dying breed of guys that watch baseball every night. If we get baseball, the NBA playoffs, college, NFL football. Fall Masters. In, fall Masters, and then we go right into the World Series and conference football play. It doesn't get better than that. Oh, no. I'm going to have to buy another TV. <laughs> There's going to be TVs all over the place. But if we do that, would this all be worth it? Everybody gets healthy, we're back to normal, and we got sports out of our ass for two months. I don't have enough screens in this house. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to have, there's going to be a run on Best Buys the way there were runs on banks in the Great Depression. Every single person's going to be, I have the SEC network, I have to go get an SEC TV, I have to get an NBA screen. I have a laptop. You know, you're going to be looking all around the house. I'm going to have a seizure from how much sports I'm going to consume in three months. September with, just think about this on a Saturday in September. The Masters is on. Pennant race baseball. The NBA Finals. College football. All on a Saturday. Not only Major League Baseball, but they're talking mandatory doubleheaders on weekends. We're going to get to that in a minute. Let's let's actually just go right into that. So, yeah, I mean, if this all works out and we get all of that together, I think it'll be great. It'll be interesting to see how the TV stations navigate all that because, like, football and golf being on this, they'll figure it out. It'll be worth it. But uh, <laughs> If they have the split screen picture in picture, if Kevin Harlan has to call two football games at the yeah, same time. Got to do, we got to do it. But I'll tell you, I still have cable. I thought about canceling my subscription, and I was like, no, 
sports is going to be back soon enough, and I don't want to call again to get it rehooked up. I have every <laughs> sports channel, and I'm just waiting to use to utilize them all. Yeah. I haven't even watched regular TV since this started because it just makes me depressed. So I just stream everything. But we're ready. Cable's ready. Um, you mentioned it. Talks today, weekend doubleheaders, potentially seven-inning doubleheaders. So I love the weekend doubleheader to get us back on track. And then my math isn't great, but by my calculation, if we got back to playing baseball in May, right, then they wouldn't have to do the doubleheaders all year long. They should be caught up, I think. No, they would only have to, what, make up typically 24-ish games. So that's three months of doubleheaders, May, June, July. Probably 30 games if they're back the first week in May. So that's 30 games is four weekends is eight games extra. So that's still four months. They're still done doubleheaders in August. Pennant race September, one game a day. So that, I think that's because they're only going to do Saturday doubleheaders. They're not going to do Saturday and Sunday doubleheaders. Yeah, there's probably a CBA thing. What are your thoughts on seven-inning games on Saturdays? So I know they've been doing this in independent leagues and minor league baseball for years. Yeah. Going all the way back to when I worked for the Atlantic League as a bat boy in 2011, there were seven-inning doubleheaders. So it's something that guys coming up through the system probably know right. and are familiar with. It changes the whole calculus of like a major league game now. Because on the minor league level, it's about getting reps, it's about seeing pitchers, it's about rehab. The major league level, are you bringing in your closer in the sixth? You would have to. You would have to treat it like how I coach, like when I like when I coach summer ball for seventeen-year-old kids. Those games are those those games are seven innings. So in my head, when it comes. When it becomes the fifth inning, I'm like a big league manager thinking that this is the seventh inning. Yeah, it's completely different the way the game's played. I know I'm doing it on the you know travel level or when I coach college ball when we would have seven inning doubleheaders. Uh, it's different, but the game you know essentially is the same. You have to manage differently than you would if it's a nine inning game. So I think they have to do whatever they have to do in these circumstances to make it right, and I think. By doing the doubleheaders, you have to. But it does change a lot of the record books and people's numbers and how you're going to manage on just one day a week. Yeah. Uh, You know, every other game is going to be nine inning game. Then on Saturday, I got to go into the seven inning mode. I don't know how that's going to work. You can't use your closer on Friday night because what if you need him twice on Saturday? Correct. Or can you pitch him Friday night and Saturday night, but not Saturday during the day? Yeah, I mean, you would have to come up with where they're at. I mean, and theoretically, you could use them Friday, one game Saturday, but then he's probably done for Sunday, too. So you're really losing him for two games instead of one because yeah. you got the back end of the doubleheader. So it's definitely interesting, and I think that's why teams like the Yankees are in good shape because they got pitching coming out the ass in the bullpen. Yeah, The Dodgers are in good shape. They got a lot of bullpen arms. You know, teams like that, I think we'll be able to manage it. Guys that teams that are relying on one closer and a short bullpen, guys that very, uh, that aren't very productive out of the bullpen are going to be in trouble on Saturdays. And not just Saturdays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday because you're navigating this yeah. stretch of games. It's never going this season is going to be so awkward just in the sense of you're going to have to find a catcher who can play first base or third base. You're going to have to have a great backup catcher because now with the mandatory doubleheaders, you're always playing a day game after a night game. So now your backup catcher probably goes from playing 20 games a year to 45. So you're saying because of the Friday night games, Saturday Saturday during the day, your your catcher's not going to catch, but he's going to have to catch Saturday night, and then he's got to get so. And then. If you play during the day on Sunday, your backup catcher has to play Saturday and Sunday. Or your starter's going to have to suck it up. Yeah. And that doesn't even include the regular day off a week you give your starting catcher to save his knees. 
So now the whole calculus has changed because you have to carry two catchers. They both have to be good. Now you have to wonder, do certain pitchers still get their regular catcher? If some of these teams have their unique catcher, I know DeGrom likes to have his individual catcher on the Mets. Backup catchers are going to have to play 50-plus games next year. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, I think every team always carries two catchers. But to your point, I think the backup catcher is going to become more of a crucial role and somebody that you're going to have to rely on to be a little bit more productive than you would as like a throwaway game in the middle of the week that you're going to throw your backup catcher out there or the day game after the night game where, you know, in our era, John Flaherty's catching instead of Jorge Posada. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Cinder? On do you want to do you want to talk about it? Cindergard, Tommy John. The Cindergard news hurt me so bad today because how do you tear your Tommy John ligament during a national lockdown? What was he doing? So this happened like recently, or was he battling this injury? He looked like he was fine. I mean, they've shut down spring training for a month. The Mets closed their Port St. Lucie facility to everybody last week. But what I'm asking is, he was pitching in spring training when this opened up a few weeks yeah. ago? Yikes. So, now, the thing happened with Syndergaard two years ago, where the Mets wanted him to take an MRI. Right. He refused, which I didn't even know was an option. Yeah. And then his very next start, because they started him on four days rest like usual, he tore his lap muscle off the bone. So it's a thing with the Mets where at least Syndergaard went and got the league man- team-mandated MRI when he felt a tinge or whatever. But how did he get hurt? It's a national lockdown. There's no way for you to be throwing. Who's catching him? It's not like he's a knuckleballer and you can put somebody in the backyard. He throws 60 miles an hour. He throws 100 miles an hour. You need a major league catcher. No one's allowed to talk to him or be in the same room. How did he get hurt? This is such a Mets thing to happen. It is. It is. It's a national lockdown in the Mets, and the baseball news breaks on my phone, and I see Syndergaard to the DL uh, with a UCL tear needs Tommy John surgery. I was like, what? I don't I don't know. I, I, it, it, the, every time we think we've gotten out of the woods with Mets news, it's like they're like, oh, no, no. We have more coming for you. I hope that Cespedes uses this to go buy another horse. I hope that if we find out Syndergaard got hurt on Cespedes' horse farm, so this whole thing can fill in. The whole it comes full circle. I Carlos Beltran was there too. Yeah, Beltran was there, giving him giving giving him signs from the trees about so, how to ride a horse. So get this, I saw this today. And this, to me, was devastating because it's also so Mets. They went and did those public relations pictures pictures for the five pitchers, right? DeGrom, Harvey, Mats, Wheeler, Syndergaard. They were supposed to be set for a generation. Jacob DeGrom, Tommy John surgery. Matt Harvey, Tommy John surgery. Steven Matz, Tommy John surgery. Zach Wheeler, Tommy John surgery. Noah Syndergaard, Tommy John surgery. That is New York Mets baseball. That's not <laughs> Dusty Baker making Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood throw 500 innings when they're 22 and 21. That is being in contact with the New York Mets organization. That's a bad juju. Just like fucking wears off on you <laughs> if you're wearing the blue and orange. That's crazy. To think about where they were a few years ago with that starting pitching staff, how good they were. The run they made to the World Series. Now all that's left is DeGrom. And DeGrom has won like 12 games in the last two years as a multi-back-to-back Cy Young Award winner because they can't score three runs. Well, I guess Steven Matz is still there, but for some reason it just doesn't seem like Matz panned out to be what everyone thought he could be. Maybe he still will, but... He had a great rookie year in the year they went to the World Series. Yeah, he was good that year. Yeah. I look, man. I I feel for you because I talked. We talked about this on the preview show, the baseball show. I thought the Mets were going to be right in the hunt with that with that pitching, um, but without Syndergaard, Syndergaard, I think it makes it tough. I really do. And uh, 
I think it's just another year where a lot of that burden is going to be put on the shoulders of DeGrom. And what did the Mets sign DeGrom for? How many years was DeGrom there? He was on a very contract, team-friendly contract deal. My big concern with the Syndergaard news is now this forces Porcello into the starting lineup. Not only does it force him in there, now he's got to play a big role. Now you're hoping for Red Sox Cy Young candidacy for Porcello. Yeah, Porcello went from a spot-fit starter making 13 starts to probably the fourth starter making 16 or 17, which is not good. No, not good at all. And it's just like you have that one-two punch of Syndergaard the Grom and Syndergaard is the one-two punch. Now you lose the second half of that. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Especially when baseball season's not even going on. So it's like a double win. It's yeah. like, this sucks. We don't have baseball. Opening day supposed to be here in two days. And then the Mets find a way to make news by having their, their second-best pitcher get Tommy John surgery. In a national lockdown where he's not supposed to be doing anything. What, the only thing I can think of is that he was hurt. And he was trying to pitch through it. I yeah. mean, there's no way he hurt himself like in the last few days. Yeah. I'd be shocked. I mean, I guess there is. It could be a Met thing. But I would be shocked. I think what happened was he probably went to camp a little hurt. Yeah. Thought just had to like air it out, stretch it out. And then it turned out to be this. That's yeah. the only thing that makes any type of sense. You would think, but we'll find out in a couple days. Right. When it says that he was playing catch with Yoannis Cespedes while riding horseback. <laughs> Towards UCL. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up because I knew you'd be bummed about it. But it's just typical Mets, really. Yeah. I um, we need we need baseball back. It's just so comforting to come home and turn it on every day. It is. You make a great point. When you come home from work and you put on a seven o'clock baseball game when it's like still sunny out, not too many feelings like that. That's right. At our well, we went kind of long, so what do we want to do? We want to push the Knicks rewatch till next time, or we want to do it now? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's push the Knicks rewatch till next week. The pain is still there. We'll be yeah, able to talk don't... about it. Yeah, Plus, the NBA point. announced free league pass, so we can watch any game we want whenever we want. Which is a great move by them. The NFL did the same thing, so we can do lots of rewatches. So you yep. guys can tell us what you want to see. Um, and. Uh, MLB has all their stuff on uh, YouTube. They have a lot of good games on there, yeah. so you can watch there. All right, so we'll do the Knicks rewatch next time. We yeah. teased it in the opener, but now you got to this point in the podcast, and we're not going to do it. <laughs> but you listen to this point, hopefully. So we'll do it next time. Uh, next week, episode 11, we'll do the rewatch, because I don't think we're going to be gifted with this much sports news every week during no. uh, during, during lockdown. So we'll... Uh, We'll make it happen next week with the rewatch. Maybe if there's no news, we'll do another rewatch and give you guys a double dose. But Knicks yeah. Pacers, Game 6, 2013, uh, semifinal rewatch next week. Like Mike said, the pain is always there. It's never leaving as a Knicks fan. Anything else, Michael? Say it all. All right, brother. That's it for Mike and I for this episode. We'll be back next week, episode 11 of The Corner Booth. Be sure to check out uh, our blog at Procrastination Sports. Dot com. You can get this on Spotify. Be sure to check out Novice Clothing Company as well at noviceclothingcompany.com. Uh, let me make sure that's it. Is it Novice Clothing Company? I've said it 3,000 times. I should probably know. Yeah, noviceclothingcompany.com and on Instagram at noviceclothingcompany. Again, procrastinationsports.com. That's where our blog is. We appreciate everybody listening. Me and Mike will be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.